105 KSTP-FM St. Paul HD2 and on scorenorth.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Way back and gone! Touch them all! It's Touch Them All. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying Touch Them All. Austin hits it high and deep to center. Stevenson back looking up and this ball is gone. Dead center for Tyler Austin. His first hit of the day, he had three strikeouts before going deep to center field to break the 6-6 time. Minnesota now leads it 7-6. Sportsnet out of Toronto on the call. Should have been doing hockey. This is Touch Em All on Score North on 1500 and ScoreNorth.com. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rami Makhlouf. Like Derek Wetmore along as always. Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. And Judd Zolgad sitting in for the uh, first segment of the show because wanted to bring a Twitter debate that Judd and I sparked and then quickly backed out of over the weekend that just spread like wildfire. I feel like fans do love this one. And it is still raging on my timeline today. This started Saturday. This started Saturday, and it is still raging on my timeline today. And it is simply the debate over whether or not Target Field should have a retractable roof, which I think that it should, and Judd thinks that it should not. And we made those opinions known on Saturday, and then a lot of people let us both know that they disagreed with us. And Chris Long of KSTP downstairs, he just went running right into that fire that Judd and I started and (laughs) fought people for like 12 straight hours. And it was fun to watch, but I just decided to sit back and do just that, which is to watch. Let me make... My stance clear on the roof that isn't over Target Field, okay? Okay. I don't want a permanent roof. I don't want the metronome all over again. Let's sure. start there. All right? Mm-hmm. This has nothing to... This is completely and totally independent. This stance that I have of my time in Milwaukee and my visits to Miller Park. I just think that any stadium built in the Midwest in the modern day should have a retractable roof. Miller Park... Or no Miller Park. Whether Miller Park ever existed or not, I would still have this belief. I don't believe that you can't have both the visual appeal and the retractable roof. But even if that is the case, even if I was to concede that you couldn't have the visual and aesthetic appeal that Target Field has now, if you had a retractable roof on it, that you you would have to sacrifice some of that for peak functionality. I will take that trade off 10 times out of 10 to have a stadium that I know is going to be ideal and there will be baseball played in good conditions 81 times every year as scheduled is what I'm after because I I I I I value functionality far more than I do visual appeal and aesthetics. All that, right. That's where I'm coming from. I'll go quickly. All right. But here's what and here's then Derek why. will break the tie. And then Derek will break the tie. Yes, I am biased because um I started following Twins in 1978 at Metropolitan Stadium. It was outdoors, and I loved it as a kid. Not a great baseball stadium, but outdoors, all right? 1982, I'm 12. They move inside. Now, granted, I will always claim that the 87 team won a World Series based solely on playing in the Dome. If that team is outside, they don't. The 91 team, I think, was an improved club. But from the age of 12 to 40, this team played inside, indoor Mm -hmm. baseball. Which is crappy. That's not what I want. But then, but then Eureka, at the age of 40, they moved to what I call a ballpark. 
and this is and I've been to Miller Park. It's not a ballpark. It is uh it is not the Metrodome because you can open it and there's light that comes in and stadiums now are not domes and I completely get that. But you cannot but Miller Park and no stadium that has a roof of any sort retractable or not can be a ballpark. And what I value and what I love is a ballpark. Last point. I don't care if games get rained out because I live in St. Louis Park. I am I am I am 8 to 10 minutes away from the ballpark. I don't if you choose to live out state or if you choose to live like Jonathan, I don't know where, but a long ways from here. Reavers <laughs> lives a long ways from here. You're not my problem. And, and, and your lifestyle choice, but look, I, but, it's fine. Well, but I but I want a ballpark. Your lifestyle choice. We're still talking about baseball in the park. Your here, lifestyle right? okay. choice of where you okay, live. Right. If you liked if you like an eighteen car garage. Yeah, and now that Highway Seven's open, St. Louis Park's no trouble at all. You just zip right back and forth to Saint, Fairfield. St. Louis Park, all you do is get the Sand Lane Pass on three ninety four. Yep. Like there you I go. but anyway. I ultimately say say this because I don't care how many games get snowed out or rained out. I value a ballpark with nooks and crannies, and Miller Park can't. But you want the Twins to thrive, do you not? You want the Twins organization. You want the Twins. Okay, it's good for ticket sales and and good for the organization. Okay, and good for the city. Judd trumps those things. Judd's more important than those things. Judd wants to. Judd wants a beautiful June night oh, in a ballpark. I, but we're just philosophically different, Derek. You know oh. what? So break the tie. Rami wanted me to come in here to break the tie for you guys. Great, go ahead, break the tie. Judd is right. Oh my God! Judd is more important to me than any of this. Play some music. I'm with you people. I'm dancing. Too bad we're not on. Judd's sensibilities trumps all. That's the only thing that's important to me in this matter. Even for you? Yeah. Yes. What's what makes Judd happy makes me happy. (laughs) Thank you, Derek. That will be just fine. I I will say, like, look, I've been to Miller Park, and you know, a couple of years ago, actually, I watched an adult league uh, softball game there they had like the softball championships mm-hmm. and yeah i remember that maybe is june july or whatever and they had the roof open and they were playing softball and that felt about right that felt about what that park should be used for they got yeah oh it's open air oh it's open air you guys look there's the sun right out there but it feels like you're playing in an airplane hangar and that was perfectly fine for the whatever Wisconsin State Championships in uh, adult beer league softball. That was great. Best beer league softball stadium I've ever been to, as a matter of fact. But to Judd's point about the June night outside, it's there's there's, there's you guys no comparison. Don't think, in this market, there's no comparison. You guys don't think that in 2019... We have the technology no, and and no, and, a, good. and a and a brilliant no. enough architect out there. Although that they say, could build a stadium no. that is visually appealing for you, architect bucks buffs who I didn't know no. were were no. in were in the twins viewing audience. It. You can't. You it has to be too big a footprint to put a roof on it. It naturally detracts from what I would, would be, be a fine ballpark with which moving is why, Target Field. Yep. If that was back on the table and you could set it off on the Mississippi Bank. That'd be which they did. I'm, they did talk about. I'm it open being to that. Where we well, yes. talk about that, but I want to go to. I have not been to very, very high on my list. In fact, number one on my list of ballparks, I'd like to go to Safeco Field. So I'd like to see what it's like there. It doesn't. It, correct me if I'm wrong. Houston is that a retractable roof just because yes. the heat? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's. An I'd ugly, be curious to see. What I've that seen looks that like. one. I saw Safeco. Safeco, which is not Safeco now. They changed the name. Sure, to something whatever. Else. It's but, always and, Safeco. But um, that's as close to being attractive as you could possibly get. Okay. See, I'd like to Houston's see what those other ones attractive. are like because Rami said it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with Miller Park and. 
that's fine. I just don't have any point of comparison beyond Miller Park, and I don't think that's an attractive ballpark. What makes Target Field special to me is it's built on a footprint that's so, so small. They had to actually get creative with how they, they shoehorned it in there, which makes it a ballpark to me. So they didn't have this huge plot of land with all of these parking lots around it. And because that's when you tend to be like, hey, let's throw this on there. No, let's throw that on there. I love the fact that they had when when you looked previous to it being built at that plot, you said you can't put a baseball park here. And, And there were questions initially about that. And the fact that they had to get architects who who were like, well, we can do this and we can do that, but we got to build up. I love that. But it's a personal preference too. I, you're you're not wrong. No, it's yeah, just he's my, wrong. No, I'm right. He's wrong. I'm 100 percent no, right. You're wrong. It's just a personal <laughs> preference. Oh, oh, and no, this, this whole is fight so childish. This, this whole fight started. This whole fight <laughs> started last April because when the Twins got snowed out for a three game series oh, yeah, against right, the White Sox, yeah. I tweeted. I just tweeted arbitrarily, so this was not to a person. I tweeted, "I will take this anytime for the beautiful July nights that we get," and I got. Destroyed well, the people by like, Brewers fans. The people that came in from Bismarck were probably upset about that too. Oh, I mentioned wanted... Miller Park, yeah, and yeah. I got destroyed mm. by people like Rami. Okay, forget that you don't care that it's Haters. good for the organization. That doesn't bother me. I get your point on that, I, and I hear you. As a media member, it doesn't matter. But what about those nights where your choices, where they don't cancel the game? So your choices are now either sit in 40 degrees and drizzle or go home and the money that I spent on tickets and parking and everything else to get out here is just a wasted expense. Could have bought video games with that money instead. Let me ask, like, how many games you go to a summer, Rami? I mean, we're just kind of getting to know each other here. Mm-hmm. How many, how many, <laughs> if you were living, uh, well, you're in uptown. That's pretty close yeah. to downtown Minneapolis and mm-hmm. not too far of a jaunt. I lived in a similar neighborhood to you a couple years ago. That's maybe a 10-minute drive to Target Field if you At hit the, the lights. Yeah. So if you go to three games a year, I get exactly what Judd's talking about. Boutique, ballpark. Every year something's better. And this is not a paid advertisement for Target Field. It's just awesome. But if you go to like... 40 games a year. I could see why this would be a big problem that your Wednesday night is rained out or delayed by an hour. How many games are you trying to go to in this in this debate? At I feel least, like that colors it, doesn't at it? At least a dozen? Yeah, okay. So I feel like that colors it a little bit. If you're driving in from the Iron Range and you're like, this is our weekend to go to Twins games, and you get blizzarded out, I empath- that sucks. I have all kinds of empathy for that. I know Judd doesn't care. He shrugs his shoulders because St. Louis Park ain't that far. <laughs> I just go to the bar. I don't care. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I go to bu- bar Bunnies still and, open. I go to Bunnies and have oh, a couple beers and I forget all about it. I thought you meant the bar in left field, right field. <laughs> oh, no, you're right about that, too. Yeah, yeah, hey, it's oh, it's a rain delay? No big deal. Are you still well, serving Budweiser? Don't, don't think the twins don't know that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely they do. But I look at this and I say, if you are more than the uh, once a summer crowd or if you are the season tickets crowd that is the justification for wanting a route i mean you want your routine you want your regularity of wednesday night i was gonna go to the ball game now i can't it throws off my plans i get that part of it but if you're just if you're gonna go to half a dozen games a year why wouldn't you want them to be in like one of the most beautiful ballparks in the world because again i'm convinced that it can be both aesthetically appeasing aesthetically appeasing and mm. totally functional leap of logic my friend hey rami yes you're a cubs guy yes what if they put a roof on wrigley totally I, fine with it 
you'd be totally fine. <laughs> totally with fine. With it. With and, this yeah. and, and this Absolutely. is where this is where you oh, lost okay. me completely. In fact, I'm done. <laughs> there are a lot of listeners that were like, "Yeah, this Ronnie done. guy." Oh, oh, he Go just, ahead. Did he just say if, if the technology if the technology exists to be, to be my, put a retractable roof <laughs> and on that is, Wrigley Field? And I'll tell you right now, that's my happy place. Wrigley yeah, Field yeah, yeah. is my happy place. Yeah, yeah. If there's no place Judd's packing up he's on not joking that I would that I would rather be if you gave me the choice, okay? Oh, it is man. my absolute happy place. That's a hell of a way to treat your happy place. I am in bliss when I am sitting at Wrigley Field. But oh, if you could man. put a retract if the technology existed to make it bigger, stronger, and faster, to borrow a term from the six million dollar man, do it. Mm. Do I'm it. Just, I'm just picturing that October night and October of twenty sixteen when mm-hmm. the Cubs Won their first yes. pennant in 60 years or whatever it was, and a roof closed over Wrigley Field. Well, it was a little chilly. Well, it wouldn't night. be closed if, it, and if, if the weather the didn't w. suck. And the, they're flying the W, and the W flag is not even blowing because there's a roof yeah, it's standing over still. Wrigley Field. It's, it's hanging not even, down the, at the top the of the flag. The W flag pole. isn't even flowing oh, at all. No. I really, I didn't know there were so many architecture buffs in the in the Twin Cities area. Hey man, to the point to where to the point where you like looking at buildings and skylines more than you do baseball. Yeah, true. That's. I mean that's I'm whatever I mean whatever floats your boat. That's fine with me. I'm just I'm I'm a baseball guy. I want to see yeah. baseball. I want to see baseball that about in you, Rami. very fair in fair conditions. That's how I want to see baseball, and I want to know that when there's a game scheduled, that there's a game going to be played. I appreciate that about you, Rami. That's and all. I, I also appreciate that even when you know you're wrong, you will fight something to the <laughs> bloody end. <laughs> all right, that well, is guess, something I've come to appreciate. I'm friend. sure this won't be the last time that we have this debate. Um, so let's put it to bed for now, though, and actually talk some baseball right after this. We might be getting a sneak peek of your regular season twins, and it's happening right now down in the Grapefruit League. We'll discuss that right after this. You're listening to Touch Em All on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. When did the dunk contest jump the shark? If you actually pulled out a stuffed shark and jumped it to dunk. <laughs> oh, yeah, and then ended it. I love that. The dunk contest did jump the shark. But I thought, actually, was it last year that I was thoroughly entertained by the dunk contest? Do you guys remember who won it last year? <laughs> <laughs> what else are you going to watch this weekend? The AAF? I'd rather drink. Mackie and Judd with Rami. On Score North and scorenorth.com. So North scorenorth.com Join the Twins for a free ballpark breakfast on opening day Thursday, March 28th from 6am until 9am along with 7th Street at Target Field single game tickets for their home opener and all Twins games are available at twinsbaseball.com Thank you Manny no. This one is hit high and deep to right. It's going to go out of the ballpark. Adrianza with a two-run home run. Well, he got a pitch up in the zone, and he squared it up. That's the 41st home run hit by the Minnesota Twins this spring. Raking in the spring. Playing a little long ball. Let's touch them all here on Score North on 1500, scorenorth.com. Manny Hill out of the side of the glass. I'm Rami Makloff, along with Derek Wetmore, our Twins insider. Find his thoughts, his musings on your Minnesota Twins at scorenorth.com and find all of our Twins programming wherever you search for pod- podcasts. All you got to do is search Score North Twins. We're also available on Spotify now as well, or just download the Score North app. And we have a uh, announcement coming up soon. 
in addition to our Twins programming lineup again. Search Score North Twins wherever you download podcasts. Want to get in on the show? 651-646-8255 or tweet us at Score North. Twins in uh, Grapefruit League action as we speak, Derek, taking on the uh, Minnesota Red Sox. They lead 2-1 to right now after four innings. That coming on a Eddie Rosario home run to right field. A two-run shot. And uh, this lineup we're looking at today, you seem to think could be a preview of uh, a lineup that we see regularly for the Minnesota Twins come real baseball. Yeah, it definitely could. I mean, Brios is going to be their opening day starter. There was never any doubt about that, but Rocco Baldelli did confirm that earlier this spring. So, okay, there's a preview on the mound. And then I look at the lineup and I think, yeah, that that looks about right. I mean, who else are you going to put in there? you got Kepler leading off, followed by Jorge Polanco, Nelson Cruz, Eddie Rosario, who went deep tonight, today, Marwin Gonzalez, CJ Crone, Jonathan Scope, Jason Castro, and Byron Buxton. It's hard to find any fault with that. I'm a guy, Rami, maybe we've talked about this, that I don't really care too much about which way you order them. My theory on lineups, it's overrated. We talk about it too much. But put your good hitters up early so they get a lot of plate appearances. Put your bad hitters late so that you don't have to see them as many times. Right. Suffer as many outs as possible. This is that for the Twins right now, with the one sort of variable being Byron Buxton. If he's if he's the Byron Buxton that you saw at the end of 2017, of course he's going to find his way up out of the ninth spot. For now, take the pressure off. Put him down there. Make him earn his way back up. Everything else, though, really looks about right to me. I could see this being the way they draw it up on opening day against the Indians. Do you think we're going to see a, a regular lineup for, for Rocco Baldelli this year, or is this going to be an ever-changing thing? Yeah, I think it's going to change a lot. I think they're going to play righty-lefty every time. They're not going to say, this is our lineup, and, well, we'll just take the bit bit lesser hitter. They don't, just, they don't have the veteran sort of rigidness that you'd see. You might know kind of the way the Red Sox are going to line it up, or the way the Astros might line it up. But for the Twins... Just put your good hitters against righties up at the top against righties. Do the same thing against left-handed pitching. I think you're going to see that a lot, and with how many interchangeable parts they have, especially when Miguel Sano gets back, you're going to be able to play around with that part. Move Marwin Gonzalez, a lot of defensive positions. Move him around in the batting order if you need or want to. They're going to have a lot of flexibility, and I think, at least my sense from being around Rocco Baldelli for a couple of weeks in spring training is he's going to try to take full advantage of that. Do you think they'll experiment, especially with like the leadoff hitter a lot too? I mean, I know we, we've talked about Kepler potentially being a candidate to be sort of a regular guy up at the top there. Do you think they'll sort of experiment with that too throughout the season? Yeah, I think you'll see Jorge Polanco in there at mm-hmm. times as a switch. I don't know exactly how they're going to play that in April, Manny, but I do think that they're going to mess around with different guys feeling comfortable there because the analytics would say put a high on base percentage guy first, put your best hitter second, and then it gets progressively less important after that. But I think that the twins are going to factor not only the analytics, but also the comfort factor. The, if this guy comes to the park every day, knowing he's our leadoff guy or, or Nelson Cruz, if he knows he's going to be in the lineup 150 times as our three hitter, that's a nice little reassurance to have. Now, Nelson Cruz might finish the year as your best hitter, but that's not something that I'd worry myself too much with if I was the Twins. You're splitting hairs on the difference between two and three. And and the leadoff guy to me, Manny, anyway, this is not speaking for Rocco. This is just Derek Wetmore thinks the leadoff hitter is get your on-base guy up there. Get him on base. Let the guys behind him do damage. 
He doesn't have to be a power guy. He doesn't have to be your best overall hitter necessarily. Get him on base. Just avoid outs with that first spot. Do you think Marwin Gonzalez is the everyday third baseman until Sano comes back? Or is he going to be in that in that role that they originally signed sure. him for, which was to move all over the field? Yeah, Not that, utility guy. What did Rocco Baldelli no, no, no. insist he, that we call him everyday positional player? or is, I don't even remember. He's an everyday player with positional flexibility. There we go. Rocco, yeah. utility man is shorter. Yeah, it's much easier to it's say. It's radio, right? baby. Yeah, exactly. I think he will be the everyday guy, Rami. I think that you look at the rest of their options. It's not super appealing. If I'm the Twins, yeah, I want him playing first base sometimes. He's good there. Probably playing in a corner outfield spot. Um, He can even play some middle of the infield. No problem at all. But with no Sano, your next best bet as a third baseman is like what? A-Ray Adrianza? Mm -hmm. And I'm just not comfortable going that far if I'm the Twins. Much rather have an established major leaguer who's proven with the bat have have him have the glove at third base every single day, that being Marwin Gonzalez. And it stinks that you lose that flexibility, of course, but think about when spring training started, you weren't planning on having that flexibility. You were just going to have a couple backups infielders, backup outfielders, backup catcher, and that was fine. Marwin Gonzalez does add something to this team in terms of the flexibility, but more than that, he's just a solid, everyday, regular player. So I, I'd plug him in at third base and leave it alone until Sano got back. Do you think there is a scenario that plays out? Let's say Marwin Gonzalez gets off to a scorching hot start that maybe Miguel Sano's role is reduced a little bit from what we thought it might be if Gonzalez gets off to a hot start here before Sano can get back out sure. on the field? Yeah, sure. I I mean, we'll see what Sano does, right? That, right? that question, of course, is conditional. If he comes back and he's just raking, you're like, okay, we'll find a spot for him. But right now, I mean, DH is spoken for. First base is pretty well spoken for. Maybe he mixes in there a little bit. CJ Crone, Tyler Austin, how does that all play out? But honestly, this is a prove it year for Miguel Sano, and so you don't you don't necessarily owe him anything. If your goal is to win games in 2019, you owe Miguel Sano exactly nothing. You owe him try to ease him back into the lineup and find a spot for him. And if he's hitting, if he's fielding, and he's an asset to your team, then of course you're gonna play him. Selfishly, you'd want that. But, boy, if, as you say, Marwin gets off to a really hot start for the Twins, it makes it an interesting problem to have. And it's probably not one they're going to have to address until May or beyond. But let's see how this first month plays out before we start before we start penciling anybody in or out of the lineup. Uh, it's fun to talk about. This does look like an opening day preview, but I don't think they're going to make their final decisions on, what, March 18th, right? We probably could- not. We could circle back to this as we get closer to May when we're closer to Sano returning, but like, what are reasonable expectations for him now coming off of this situation with uh, the heel and trying to get that back right and him being available, it sounds like, in probably either early or mid-May? Yeah, I I haven't changed my expectations for him. I still Mm -hmm. think, yeah, you missed some time, and that's going to hurt your final numbers. He's not going to have as many RBI. He's not going to have as many home runs. But on a rate basis, can he hit as many home runs per 500 plate appearances? Yeah, absolutely. Can he get back to drawing walks? Can he cut down on the strikeouts? Is he going to hit for power? Is he going to be a feared hitter, possibly in the middle of their order? I still think all that stuff is in play. It'll be interesting to see how they do that with sort of an abbreviated, you know, fake spring training for him. Just try to get him into game shape right away and then jump in in the middle of a season. Um, one interesting thing I did hear him say on the broadcast today, guys, I think it was Corey Provis dropped this knowledge bomb that the 
I don't know if this was before Eddie Rosario went deep today or after, but that the Twins were tied for first in the Grapefruit League with 43 home runs. Mm-hmm. Tied with the New York Yankees, and they can hit some. It's really interesting how the Twins have built this team. Sano was part of that, maybe can be again. It's pretty interesting to me that they have guys who are sort of swinging for the fences. Jonathan Scope's going to hit his for a second baseman. CJ Crone had 30 last year before the Rays said goodbye. Eddie Rosario's got some pop. Max Kepler's got some pop. We already talked about Marwin Gonzalez and, oh, by the way, Nelson Cruz, who will lead this team in home runs. It's really interesting to me that they have so many guys who have the capability of hitting for power that if Sano comes back and adds to that, it's a nice little bonus. But by no means are you counting on his home runs. I don't think they went into this year banking on that. There'll just be a, a nice bonus if he can come back and deliver that. This is what the A's and and the Rays have done to some extent in building their offense, isn't it? Get guys with high launch angles, high exit velocity, and let's get a bunch of guys who on paper may not look like the greatest hitters in the world, but we feel like the more guys that we have who can put it over or near the fence, the better off we'll be. Yeah, basically swing for it. If you are a complete hitter, I think Nelson Cruz is a pretty complete hitter. He's one of those, he's just fun to watch. He's going to hit, I don't pay too much attention to batting average if I'm being honest with you, but he's going to hit line drives, he's going to hit doubles, and he's so strong that some of them are going to leave the park. He's not a home run hitter in the classic sense that you think of, like I will sell out strikeouts for home runs. Mm -hmm. He is, I'm a hitter and some of these are going to leave the yard because I'm so, just he's imposing. And I think that's kind of the way to do it unless you're one of these excellent bat to ball guys. If you're if you're Jose Altuve, you don't necessarily need a power spike to be awesome. Francisco Lindor was already a good hitter, and then the power spike makes it even better. I think there's a number of different ways that you can build a great offensive player in today's sort of baseball environment. But one of the ways is okay, you're strong. They're throwing it very hard. Mm-hmm. Make contact and swing hard. Make this baseball travel a long way. Some of those are worth one point, and some of them, with your teammates on base, are worth more than one point. It's the only kind of swing that can produce that. Really? Yes. So very interesting. Without having to do anything else, without the defense needing to be involved at all, you are allowed to just tally points on the scoreboard by hitting it over the fence. Since we're talking about offense and lineup construction, let's, let's think best case scenario, right? So Miguel Sano comes back in May. And finally starts looking like the Miguel Sano that the Twins have been waiting for. Byron Buxton takes that next step. Kepler is doing his thing in right field. Uh, Rosario is doing his thing in left field. Mm-hmm. And Max Kepler, like I said, is 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 peaking him, himself in center field. So all four of those young guys who you're looking to take that next step in their career, they take that next step. Is the Twins' best day-in, day-out lineup Marwin Gonzalez at third and Sano at first? Is that best-case scenario for this team if everybody takes a step or reaches their full potential? Yeah, it's really interesting. I think so. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but you're talking in terms of who, you know peak upside. Right. Sano's just better than C.J. Crone. Right. I mean, in terms of, of what we've seen historically, C.J. Crone is the safer pick for sure. If you ask me today who's going to hit more home runs, I'm taking Crone. Mm-hmm. He's got an extra month and a guaranteed path to playing time. But it is interesting that if you were to make the CJ Crone bat for Miguel Glove trade, which you're espousing here, that's a great offense. If all those guys are clicking and Cruz puts up a good season at age 38, Scope bounces back like we sort of are almost expecting at this point. 
Jorge Polanco does what he does at shortstop. That's a great offensive club. And yeah, they would score a lot of runs. Could the pitching be there to back that up? Open question. Let's see. These are the fun things that play out in the baseball season. But yeah, I think CJ Crone is the safer play by far. But if you're talking upside, it's hard to it's hard to run away from peak Miguel Sano. And you know, I had to ask this question: uh, Where does Williams Astadio fit into all this, Derek? What more? Well, he wasn't in the starting lineup today, mm-hmm. so that's a that's a bad mm-hmm. it's a bad omen, a bad sign, Rami. I like it. If you are looking for him to start, it's a bad sign that the opening day preview does not include your sweet child, Williams Astadio. <laughs> but. But I don't know if you saw this over the weekend, the twins on Twitter and marketing and social media is not the same as baseball operations. Obviously. I will say that to say this. Okay. They were promoting some of their top players this weekend on Twitter and it's a short little get to know them. Hey, I'm Rami Makloff. Favorite food. Everything. (laughs) Favorite food, mac and cheese or tacos (laughs) or everything. Um, Favorite city, Milwaukee. Favorite ballpark, anything with a roof because I don't like fun. Whatever. It was a short little video like that. And they had Byron Buxton, Jose Barrios, Nelson Cruz, and Williams Astadio were the first four names that That's I awesome. saw out of the gate. That is awesome. Like I said, social media is not making the team, but it is interesting how much they're pushing this guy from a marketing perspective. It'd be pretty hard for me to imagine that toothpaste going back in the tube now and Astadio starting the season March 28th at Rochester. I I think he's he's a pretty good bet to at least be on the bench when that club comes north. And I think he's a I think he's a good ball player and I'm I'm not I'm it may seem like I'm getting carried away. I'm playing it up a little bit for the radio for your entertainment purposes, but even I will admit that his marketability is ahead of where his game is at right now. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. I mean, they're, they're using him in everything. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there when they were cutting their promotional spots for the spring. I think I left before they got those done. But, boy, you almost think about going back and reshooting those now, don't you? It's like, yeah, it was going to be Nelson Cruz, but Astadio said he'd do it. So we'll get him in the commercial that's going to run 655,000 times this summer. We want this guy as the face of the campaign. It is amazing. How much visiting writers would come to Fort Myers, and he is the first player that they would ask about. Right. It's amazing. Like, yeah, okay, there's a lot of interesting... Byron Buxton steps up to the plate right now. It's He's the most fascinating player on the roster, and it's hard to argue. From a pure baseball standpoint. That's yes. right. Right. But then, the visiting writers, or even fans you'd hear talking about, Williams Astadio's name came up a whole lot, and that's... It's just surprising to me for a 25th guy. The Twins baseball decision makers, um, and I'm including their manager in this, I think they, they almost bristle at it a little bit of like, uh, why, we talk so much about it, we think he's a good player, and you guys talking so much about it sort of makes it seem like it's a joke. I can tell you that they don't view it as a joke. They view him as a very real serviceable player, some guy that could help their club. And as early as opening day, like we're talking about, the marketing, though, has so, so, so far outstripped that part of his game that it's, I mean, I had to laugh when I saw him as the third name that came across Twitter in the Get to Know Him segment this weekend. It was great. I'm all for it, and I thought you might be too. Oh, it makes perfect sense to me.
I, I almost tagged you. I was like scrolling through Twitter on my phone on Saturday. I was like, Rami would like this. Hey, I'll save it for Monday. I'll save it for the my show. guy. And again, if he doesn't make the team and it's looking more and more like he will, I'm boycotting the 2019 Minnesota Oh, you Twins. told for, so, for listeners that did not hear you, your introduction to, to Twins Thad GM, Levine. Thad Levine was, hey, Thad, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Just so you know, I'm boycotting the 2019 <laughs> season if Williams Astudio doesn't make the opening day roster. And I meant it. And I think that's why he's going to make the team. I'm taking all the credit for that. He braced himself in his seat when he heard that. He said, oh, who's this Rami guy? And uh oh. We got to get him back on board. We got to get him on the bandwagon. Making waves as soon as I, as soon as I got to the Twin Cities. It's a good introduction. Here on Touch a Ball on <laughs> Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. On the other side of a break, the Twins considering a change in the way that they do things and in the way that you may enjoy a trip out to Target Field, roof or no roof. You're listening to Touch a Ball on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. Go north, young man or woman. If you want to go together, we'll pay for it. Score North. ScoreNorth.com. This portion of Touch Em All is brought to you by Robert W. Baird and Company. There goes the runner. Swing and a drive. Fair ball down the left field line. Cave is around second, headed for third. McKinney knocks it down, bobbles it, and Cave's going to score all the way from first base. By starting the runner, not only stayed out of double play, but allowed the Twins to score a base runner all the way from first on the double. And that made it 3-1, Twins, over the Red Sox today in the Grapefruit League. This is Touch Em All here on Score North on 1500 and scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makhlouf along with Derek Wetmore. You find his work at scorenorth.com and across our social media platforms on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch. Manny Hill on the other side of the glass. You can find this and our uh, Five Thoughts podcast, all our Twins programming. All you got to do is search Score North Twins wherever you download podcasts or just download the Score North app, and we're available now on Spotify. And big announcement to our Twins uh, lineup of programming coming up very, very soon. So stay tuned for that. There's a ball off the wall. Nelson Cruz got a hold of it. There we go. Rami, you and I fought a little bit on Five Thoughts on Friday. A little bit, yeah. It wasn't super contentious, but we got after it a little bit. Yeah. Disagreed on the five playoff teams from the American Three League. of them we agreed on, because that's yeah. real easy. Yeah. Uh, that is the other two. The second wild card and who's going to win the AL Central. But I think I mean, that's pretty easy, too. But that's where we differed. That is where we differed. <laughs> yes, it is. I, don't, I just, I mean, and not to get all the way into it yeah, again. Yeah, that's fine, yeah. I don't, I don't know how people see the Indians being that much better than the Twins. I understand people picking the Indians to win the division. and And maybe... Maybe if you're looking at all the guys who are are either going to go up or down when it comes to the Twins, and it's sort of hit or miss, fail, pass or fail, with a lot of these guys, whether it's because they're they're prospects who haven't performed or they're guys who are later in their careers and could be set for a downturn, whatever the case might be, unless you're picking most of those guys to to go to go the wrong way, sure. I don't see how the the Indians are that much better than the Twins, well, but. You can hear our, our full thoughts and five yeah. thoughts at uh, scorenorth.com. We can segue, too, into a bit of news because the Indians addressed uh, what I perceive to be their biggest weakness uh, over the weekend, signing Carlos Gonzalez, the outfielder that you've heard of mm-hmm. from Colorado, and, and and a decent player. I mean, he's 30, I think he's 33, I read, but it's not, I mean, I know baseball likes to pretend like 33 is the end of not only your career, but the end of your life, but 
he's still got something left, I think. I mean, you look at that and you could potentially plug him in in a starting outfield spot there with what I viewed as a clear weakness for Cleveland before that. And that helps a lot. I, I Again, not to dive too deep into it, but I do think this signing helps them. And I do think it's a nice luxury to have the two best players in the division in Francisco Lindor, Jose Ramirez, and oh, by the way, the starting staff that is the envy of every team in Major League Baseball. But he's not the Carlos Gonzalez that he once that's, was. I that's mean, true. This was a guy who was in the discussion for the MVP a season or two in Colorado. And he's not, not He's not that guy no, anymore. No. And I would, I would say he hasn't even aged as well as a Nelson Cruz, who's oh, still raking not. at yeah. an advanced age, while we've definitely seen a drop-off for Carlos Gonzalez. But they needed that outfield depth. And a lot of people thought they would get in on Marwin Gonzalez, who would give him outfield and infield depth because he moves all over the field. And I thought, and and Joe Sheehan thought as well, who picked the, the Twins to win this division, that not not only the addition of Marwin Gonzalez to the Twins was a big deal, but to keep him away from your direct competitor yeah. in the division in the Cleveland Indians makes it that much better a move. And it kind of, I mean, you look at this now, the way that it played out, and you can second-guess letting Michael Brantley walk and just go and sign him with Houston. That would, that would look pretty good in their outfield right now, given how it's comprised. But I would say Cargo does uh, address that a little bit. Now, I don't know who gets bumped, but... I was talking with a Tribe fan earlier today who thinks maybe Tyler Naquin uh, gets the short end of this, or maybe they move some guys around, play some first base, and and just sort of mix and match their lineup a little bit more now, now that they have one more competent hitter. But adding a competent hitter in one of those three outfield spots is an upgrade for them. And they just look to me like the class of the division. This signing doesn't do anything to detract me for that. In fact, it, it strengthens my stance that they're just... Right now, they are what the Twins are chasing. But this is the field of guys, pun not intended, who are vying for a spot in the Indians outfield. The one guy, and I think this tells you all you need to know about the Indians outfield, the one guy who looks like the sure thing right now is Leonis Martin, who's going to be their center fielder. Leonis Martin shouldn't be a sure thing on any roster in Major League Base. Not as a starter. No, maybe as Maybe as some speed and defensive replacement off the bench, I can see that, but... For him to be the one sure thing in your outfield maybe tells you all you need to know about the Indians and their outfield depth. But if you want to know more, they also have <laughs> Greg Allen, Jake Bowers, Jordan Luplo, Oscar Mercado, Tyler Naquin, Trace Thompson, and Bradley Zimmer are in camp fighting yeah. for spots this year. And I heard Zimmer's not going to start the season, that he will, he is injured, had a surgery, I think. Uh, I think last year, anyway, what, for whatever reason, he's not going to be ready to break camp opening day. I have to dive back into that. But yeah, it's uh, it's not great. They are going a little bit with stars and scrubs. Now, Gonzalez will help that mix, though. Now, I think you look at it and you say, like, okay, this is this is okay, or at least this is better. Um, it's, it's not perfect, but it is funny to me. Funny is not the right word. It is fascinating to me that I view this. This is just outside looking in. I didn't talk with... The Cleveland decision makers on this, but I think they looked at this offseason and basically laughed and arrogantly or not, however you want to term it, basically said, we don't have that much to do to stay ahead of the Minnesota Twins. Okay, cool. We got Brad Hand in the bullpen. We got our starters. We got our, our, the core of our lineup coming back. We can let Michael Brantley walk 
and still think that we're comfortably better than Minnesota, that we're not going to add some of these other names that are still out there. But even if that's true, and if if that's what they're thinking, I, I think they're overconfident. I yes. think the Twins are poised to to make a move on No, them. I agree but, with that. But even even if that's the case, is that all they're trying to do is hold off the Twins? I mean, have, right, that's what's are weird. They, are they just not even thinking about trying to take down the Yankees or the Red Sox or, 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 uh, or the Astros? Yeah. Just like okay, we'll win the AL Central and we're good. Keep in mind, you can add guys in July. Sure. So, like, I yeah. think that could be the sort of situation where, yeah, we're got we got to be good enough to be poised to win the Central, and then we go show our ownership group, hey, we're going to make a push for, you know, just to pick a name from recent memory, like Justin Verlander. Hey, we're going to push our chips in Houston, that is, and we're going to make a play for Justin Verlander to be an ace on the stretch for us. That's the type of thing that either the Indians or the Twins, really, if the Twins are still in it, I can see them making that kind of move. So it's it's going to be a really fascinating division, but I agree with your premise that like overconfidence is a bad look. Just generally speaking, that's as short as I can put it. Overconfidence from either one of their chairs, bad look. And who knows, maybe it'll come back to bite the Indians this summer. I think it will. And you can uh, hear how I think it will come back to bite them by checking out the Five Thoughts podcast at scorenorth.com or just search Score North Twins wherever you download podcasts. The Twins may make a change this year in the way that they prepare for games. Lavelle Neal of the Star Tribune is reporting that they they might cut down on pregame batting practice. First of all, let's start with why. Why is the rest? Okay. Um, studies over the past, I don't know how many years, but in other sports, I think they're way ahead of where they are in baseball, frankly. It was it was fascinating to me to see that the Twins took spring training so quickly. It was quick hit stuff. It was get out there, get your work done, don't stand around all day shagging batting mm-hmm. practice fly balls. That is not productive if you're Max Kepler. What you should do if you're Max Kepler is get your swings in, high intensity, defensive drills, maybe speed work, whatever you need to do, get your workout in and go home. Go home. We don't need this six-hour workout day that starts at 7 a.m. with taking ground balls in the infield to get loose. One of the things that is ahead in other sports is figuring out, hey, some of these soft tissue injuries, a pulled hamstring or whatever, those can be not prevented necessarily. I don't know that the science is there yet, but they can be reduced dramatically just by paying attention to what your load is. What physical work have you done? The greater levels of work, And here's an interesting one, the greater increase week to week. So if you have a week where you're off your feet and then next week you come back and you're taking 250 swings in the cage five days a week, you're going to pull your oblique. Right. I mean, it sounds so basic or it sounds so uh, uh, black and white and simple. It's not that simple. To apply it to like our everyday lives. If, if If you don't go to the gym at all for six months and then you go to the gym and you're doing like an intense hour long workout out of nowhere plates, bro? you're going to hurt something yes. or you're going to you're going to be so incredibly sore you're going to yes. want to kill yourself well, the next day you'll likely hurt your pride first right. and yeah. then everything else or or you're driving in the snow you get back from Fort Myers Florida having clear streets for three and a half weeks <laughs> and then you get Seven snowflakes and you spin out and find your car in the ditch. Did you? No, I didn't. Okay. Although that would be funny. Right. I would, I would definitely flame myself for that if that happened. But it's the same concept where week to week you're sort of I hate the term, but like load management. If you just blow it out of the water one right. week after having not really done a whole lot of work leading up to it, this is a concern I have with Miguel Sano, and and I'm not being flippant here mm-hmm. that you're going to have to work him back in a relatively quick timeline because. 
the season started, let's go. At the same time, you want to work him back slowly so that he's not re-aggravating anything or, or, or coming up with an injury that had nothing to do with his heel, the cut on his leg. Just by suddenly now being on your feet and doing all this extra work out of nowhere is a potential problem for guys. So anyways, the reason they would cut down on pregame batting practice to make a long point succinct how much work does Nelson Cruz need before the game off a 60-mile-an-hour fastball? Right. From the third base coach. Like, no disrespect, but that's not going to help him prepare for Chris Sale. So I think that the Twins' thought process is, and they're not alone in this. There are a lot of teams preparing this way. Okay, pregame, let's rethink how guys are getting ready for 7-10 first pitch. We don't necessarily need this on-the-field type of workout. We don't need spring training days to be six and a half hours long. We just need guys to come in and get their work and get ready for March 28th, be ready to go when the lights are on. I think that is all part of the thinking for why you would do away with this if if you're the Twins in pregame batting practice in season. Probably not getting a lot better if you're Nelson Cruz. And from a functionality standpoint, I I get it. And I, I, I totally understand. And you're right. Baseball has somehow been so far behind the curve when it comes to this science of, of, of player rest and nutrition and everything else that goes into it. I mean, I think Bill Walsh was the first to sort of start to go down this road with the 49ers in the 80s where he sort of pulled back on the practices and the full contact and practice and everything else. And I think he was one of the first coaches who started to understand the value of rest and and of managing a workload rather than just putting guys through the ringer constantly to make sure that they were in shape and sure. had thick skin and they were sure, tough sure. enough to to go through the grind he preferred that his guys be ready to go on a sunday and i think basketball picked up on that here recently where yeah. you see guys taking rest days and it really is even though it's probably the least physically demanding compared to those other two sports that i just listed off when you look at the schedule and the travel of a baseball schedule. It's an, it's it's amazing to me that the sport with the 162 game schedule wasn't the first to sort of start looking into how rest and managing workloads could right. could could improve right. performance. Like it only it makes sense to me that they would be the first to get in on that. But okay, they're they're catching up now and that's great. Yeah. From a performance and practicality standpoint, from a fan standpoint and and my enjoyability of the sport, I don't know about you Derek, I love getting to the ballpark early and and watching batting practice. Yes. I love it. And the, and the, and and I think more teams are probably going to go this way and we're probably going to get less of that enjoyment. Yeah. Oh, it makes me sad from a baseball fan standpoint. I think Lavelle put it actually really really well in his piece where it's like it's part of the soundtrack of baseball. Right. It's just you know, hey, that crack of the bat, two, uh, three thirty, whatever. Start shaking off the cobwebs. You know, you were at the park late last night, but here we go. BP's starting again. Let's amp back up. And here's our day. Here's our for for me. It's work, and for these guys too. This is their profession. This is their job. It's like the coffee in the morning. Hit the coffee maker. You're ready to go. Rami, you got your takes all warmed up in the microwave, and you're ready to rock. Target mm-hmm. Field should have a roof. This is the same for them. They're like, okay, here we go. Baseball, BP, let's get started for a game. The crack of the bat, the sound of the organ, the chatter of the crowd. Like, this is... Here, and you smell the ballpark. Oh, man. Like, it's it's it makes me sad, but it also, from a scientific perspective... What, 10 days away? It just, it makes a lot of sense. 10 days away from real baseball at Target Ooh. Field. Count them down, I Rami. Cannot wait. Again, check out our Five Thoughts podcast. Look for all our Twins programming. Search Score North Twins.